Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome everybody to the Nurse Leader Network. I am your host, Chris Racinos, and we are in for an amazing treat today. We are sitting here and it is June 1st and we just had Memorial Day yesterday. And um, I was literally just kind of reflecting on um, the loss that our country has has um, suffered, right? We've lost so many uh, military people. I was actually like sitting there watching this YouTube video with my son around the Civil War and didn't even realize how many Americans we had lost in the Civil War. And it began to like just give me this feeling of like impending doom. Like, you know, we've we've just had so much loss. And then over the past year, it's, you know, just compounded that in feeling for me. And so today's guest is really going to walk us through everything that we've been experiencing over the past year, how we can move past that. And so I'm just beyond excited to bring on today's guest. Today, we are interviewing Mary from the Burnout Ward. Mary, welcome to the Nurse Leader Network. Thank you for having me. All right, Mary. So let's dig in. Talk to us about why you are where you are. You know, I'd love to hear your background around nursing um, and how the Burnout Ward got started. Yeah, I have been a nurse for about 16 years. Where my burnout story really started was in 2014. I had gone from working in travel nursing, which if you've never done travel nursing, there's a lot of career freedom that goes along with it. You're in a place, you know how long you're going to be there. Even if it's not the best environment, there is a time frame where you're wrapping up. But I was working in the Bay Area, having a fun time. I was in my late 20s. And I decided I wanted to live there and accepted a job in the Bay Area. I ended up working in an outpatient cancer unit. And during my time there, I experienced an intense level of burnout. And it wasn't because of the patients. It was because of some of the toxic factors playing into the work environment. There was a position that was a bit challenging to work with. And there was also a lot of times where I was working overtime and by every time I mean like one or two hours, I would be still in the, still working in the cancer and the cancer center. Um, I would be, we'd be short staffed at time periods. I would miss breaks because we didn't have the staff to support our patients that were coming through. This was a very high volume cancer center. And during that time, the conditions were so challenging that we had 20 nurses leave the environment and things sort of came to a head one night where a patient was having a reaction to a medic to a treatment. And the next day we were, we were meeting with administration about it and we should have told the physician about what happened, that we were scared when there was a situation that could actually threaten our license. And I just was so appalled about this because nobody had really looked to see what happened to this patient, what had happened to them after they left the cancer center. And instead, we were being told that us as grown adults need to talk to another grown adult and tell them we're scared versus this is on in policy, period. That should have been the end of the discussion. So I decided that I need to get out of there because I was having at that point weekly panic attacks. I was exhausted. I wasn't sleeping well. And I just didn't even know why I was doing nursing because if I was going to be in this place where I could potentially lose everything I worked on and worked for what was the purpose? So I left that and 
trying to find a little bit of balance, I thought that it made a lot of sense to work three per diem jobs. And I did that for a while. And while that helped, I have to admit, three per diem jobs is, does not solve burnout. Big advice to anyone out there. Like I didn't even know, I didn't know where I was going half the time. It was like really stressful to stay on my schedule. But it was a time period where there wasn't a lot of burnout resources for nurses. This was 2014, 2015, 2016. And instead, you sort of were like labeled a disgruntled employee, or it was put back on you versus looking at the actual problems within the organization. I ended up in one of the per diem jobs. There was a navigation role that came available. I accepted that. And that started my healing journey because I started to be like, oh, okay, there's other things I can do in nursing because I was tired of giving chemo. I wanted something different. And so I moved into this role and started helping with the... um, with program management, especially around the COC accreditation within my facility. And it basically started getting better and better, but I continued to deal with the anxiety and stress that sort of developed from that work environment. And I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop, for a physician to become verbally abusive, for administration not to have my back or something just to happen. And it was a hard way to live. Like I was in a lot of ways in self-sabotaging belief around my career. I didn't feel like I had control over it. And I felt like people were, for lack of better terms, like people were out to get me, even though there was no reason to think that there was nobody doing any of that stuff. I just felt like work was not a safe place for me from that experience. It wasn't until 2017 when I got a job with a company out in Colorado that things started to shift. And I realized I couldn't continue living like this. It's exhausting to have that much anxiety around your work. And I started working with a life coach who basically helped me see how much of this past experience was still being lived in the present, even though I was long gone from that role. And this has such a dramatic effect. I went from this place of, oh, goodness, are they going to want to get rid of me? Am I going to do something wrong? Is something bad going to happen today? To a place of like, I can actually create the work environment that I want. I can actually show up the way I want at work. And I started working on abstracts. I got invited to be a part of a national committee within my organization. I won an award for my organization that was pretty prestigious. And all this was because I finally got control over my burnout. And it was such an impactful experience that I decided this was something I wanted to bring to other nurses. Wow. The burnout ward. (laughs) I think there's so many listeners out there that can relate. I know I can relate. There's been many points in my career where I was just like, I don't know if I felt like people were out to get me, but I felt like inevitably I was going to make some kind of mistake or I was going to do something wrong or somebody was thinking bad. And I, I see it in my students. I see it in, you know, previous staff that they carry this sense of, you know, something's going to go wrong or, you know, someone's out to get me. How do you, determine whether somebody actually like really is out to get you versus like, it's your own mindset. Like, where do you, how do you even like begin to decipher? Like, okay. Cause it, when you're in it, like you feel like they're really out to get you. Like you're, you feel like you have no control over that. So how do you begin to identify whether it's something work that you have to do on yourself or work that maybe you really are just in a very toxic environment? Yeah. So I work with my clients on this a lot because I want to really refer to Brene Brown's work. I'm not sure if you've read Dare to Lead yet, but yeah. that really is powerful in that book is the idea of people shouldn't have to wear armor at work, but a lot of people do because they're afraid they're going to get punished. They're bringing in their, like, we don't know what anyone's experienced in their personal life and their background, 
But there's a level we do bring that baggage into work, even though we like to sort of preach, you know, keep your work life at work and your home life at home. The reality is it's hard to keep things at home when something bad's happening there. It's hard to keep something at work if you're in this place of being in defensive. Um, a lot of the work I do with my clients in these places is actually focused on what they can control. We cannot control what other people are doing. I wish I could, because that would be like, you know, I would solve all the world's problems, but your focus of control is yourself. And even if someone is out to get you, if you are in control of your mindset and you're making conscious decisions and you're basically taking, keeping your power where you have it versus giving it to them, which is easy to do. If you're like on the defense of this person's out to get me, you're going to do things like um, almost compromise yourself, if you will. You're going to be like allowing them, you'll avoid them. You're going to get in a harsh interaction. You might get into a fight with them at the nursing station. My clients have done all these different things. I've done these things too. So a lot of we do is basically return the control to them, which is a lot of mindset work. And then we can basically make things happen and shift. So even if someone is becoming verbally assault, like we've had patients verbally assault us. I don't know a nurse alive that has not had a patient, especially those mean, like the patients that are in the, um, that are Alzheimer's patients not become a little bit um, verbally aggressive at some point, but we're putting, we basically have ways of coping like, like, like whatever they're saying, whatever. And we can apply the same logic to our coworkers and our bosses. And what we do is once we sort of get their mindset under control, have a little bit of a buffer between them and their work. That's where we can make decisions. Like, do they want to leave their job? Do they want to start speaking up about it or move into another role? Do they want to basically stay where they are? Or do they want to basically lower their effort, like sort of maybe go down to part-time or per diem and focus on other areas of their life? This is a more empowered approach versus trying to control other people. As I said, I mean, you can't really, you can't control your organization. You can't control other people. You can't control the system, but you can control yourself. I like that viewpoint. So what if, um, you know, there's a listener out there right now and he or she is like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm, I'm resonating with what you are saying and I don't know what I want. Like, I don't know if I want to leave my job. I really like my job or I really like my coworkers or whatever that they really like. And I don't know if I want to go, part, like, how do you begin to even decide like what your next step is around addressing your burnout and creating that buffer? That is a very good question. And I'm going to try to answer it because it's sort of, everyone's very individual. Like for when I think about the, I actually spoke about this recently. It's like, what energy are you in around your choices? It's okay to leave your job. I mean, like, it's okay to be like, I'm going to, I just want to stay here for a little bit. There's some of my clients that we just sort of start them like, okay, you want to stay in your job for, we just focus on two weeks, 30 days, just keep it small increments versus looking at like five years, 30 years retirement plan. Just like, <laughs> let's look at the two, let's look at like day by day, week by week. So one of my clients who was really struggling and she didn't want to just give her two weeks notice. in, even though there was a lot of pressure from her family being like, you're burnt out. We can sort of, you can sort of do this. And it's not really what she wanted to do. She wanted to sort of do things on her own terms. So we did a lot of work basically bringing that power back to her and cutting things out that she didn't need to be doing. For instance, like working extra days. I mean, you can always ignore your phone. I had my phone number in as work. 
Like they called me, I'd be like decline, decline, decline. (laughs) So we start small like this because there's a level we have to get the power back to ourselves. When we are in a place of power, we are going to make more empowered decisions towards our life, towards our careers. So as opposed to looking at like, where do I need to be in five years? Let's keep it short term. Your brain is not able to, when you're in this place of fight or flight, your brain's not looking at long-term decisions. It's not capable of doing that. It just wants to make sure you don't die. Yeah. The thing is, it can't tell the difference between going to work and a being attacked by a tiger. <laughs> it really can't. It's having the same biological processes happening, you know, with the epi- with the, like the adrenaline and the cortisol and all those neuroendocrine cocktails that we have in our body when we're stressed. Since I can't really tell the difference of it, we need to sort of get those to sort of lower a little bit and just focus on getting you through starting small, like one week, what do you need to feel more in control one week? And it's actually not big shifts. It's not like we need to shock your system. Usually it's small things like you're not going to, you're going to basically only work three days this week. You're not going to, if you work in the, if you work in a 12 hour shift schedule, you're not going to pick up one call. You're going to make some time for yourself. And we're really going to focus on your self-preservation and just what you need to basically sort of level set things. And each of those little steps have a lot of power and eventually they do build up on each other. Yeah, for sure. These, those little habits are so important. And it's so like interesting to me that as nurses, like we know what we're supposed to do, like we teach it and then we don't do it. Um, So, you know, it's like, it just, it blows my mind sometimes. Um, But then again, I also like go back to like, where are our roots as a profession? Like I look at all of uh, the nurses that I went to school with and the nurses that I've taught and we are tend to be high achievers and, and overachievers, actually not high achievers, but overachievers. And I think in doing that, a lot of self-sacrifice becomes apparent when we're trying to care for others and then we forget to care for ourselves. So, I mean, I, um, I totally agree with setting boundaries and setting small and like manageable boundaries after, you know, people get into that. Okay. We're fight or flight. We're setting up some boundaries around, you know, this week and next week to just get through this. What are next steps once they begin to move beyond that in terms of really eliminating their burnout? So the goal is to be honest here, when we think about burnout, there's this idea of getting to the side where things are rainbows and daisies. And (laughs) I tell you, there's no rainbows and daisies. You basically learn to control it. It's sort of like anything else in life. If we struggle, for instance, an easy one is with our weight. There's a level we have to have constant commitment showing up in our lives. You can't just approach it like, well, I want to get this new job and things are going to be rainbows and daisies. No, because what happens inevitably, something's going to happen at your next job or wherever you're at. That's going to remind you of your past job. And then it's going to sort of domino effect. Your brain's going to be like, well, wait, we need to protect ourselves. And you're going to start falling into the same old behaviors. Because of this, there's almost a level of like building a practice that is really essential for people that are dealing with burnout, even if they're starting to feel better. You don't just like, it doesn't just magically go away. Like, like you're done, I, you're cured. No. <laughs> I have so many years. Like, I mean, it was 2014 and gosh, what year is it now? I can't do math right now. Like my pregnancy is just like. <laughs> Congrats on the baby, by the way. Do you have a name for him? What? Do you have a name for your baby? Um, we're still working that piece out. But um, <laughs> yeah, so what? It's been like at least six, seven years now, somewhere in there. And I mean, there's times where even though I own my own business, I control what I do. 
that I will start falling into some of these patterns of burnout, sort of judging myself, saying I'm not good enough, thinking I'm going to fail. Some of the same stuff that came up with my burnout, surprise, surprise. So it really is that constant work. Like it is a commitment. And here's the thing. Burnout is just not a phenomenon that's happening in the workplace. People have it at their home life. I have nurse clients that they are full-time caregivers at home and then going to work and they have no break. So how do we sort of balance them and work with them? Because they can still get burnt out. They're taking care of a family member that is, you know, like in, in stage Alzheimer's. And they're the, they are the full-time caregivers. So they legit are not getting any break or downtime for themselves. Yeah. So a lot of the work we do is sort of helping them figure that piece out. And then we start working on career stuff. Like I really think there's a level of self-empowerment is the first step that needs to happen. We need to get your power back. And then we work on the strategy about where you want to go, what you want to do. I have different tools I use with my clients. Like first off, I think there's a lot of problems with the language we use with career development for nurses, because it's really, there's two big issues with it. One, there's three main paths you'll hear about. Those are leadership, that they are leadership, oh goodness, um, education and advanced practice. But there's a whole entire rainbow and stuff in between these areas that ultimately allow people to fall through the cracks. So I was a nurse navigator. I have no desire to like prescribe medications. APRN would have been a waste of money for me to pursue. But If I, I mean, like basically like nurse navigation was able to be a place where I really found a love and passion in my nursing career. And yes, I do like the leadership aspect to it. And there's a leadership flair, but it really is more of something that's like care coordination and coaching. It's not really in any of the other roles. So this is something that like many people don't even know exist. That's an amazing career profession. I always like to sort of bump nurse navigation, because I think that it's something that this is what I went to school for. But the other issue we have is if you look in the healthcare organization systems themselves, most of the nursing is contained within a hierarchical structure where you report up, where you go through the process to go through leadership up to the CNO. There's a whole entire other aspect that is managed by non-clinical people. I'm like, why can't we get nurses in there? (laughs) (laughs) Directors, COO. Like I've been in environments where there has been VP, the VP of the operations was a nurse. And I have to tell you, like, it was the coolest thing I've ever experienced. She like, wasn't afraid to talk to physicians. She was very direct. And (laughs) because she was an old ICU nurse, she was just like, why aren't you using our navigators? What do we need to improve it? What's the problem that you're seeing that with our system? Like she would drill into them in a way I've never seen anyone that was non-clinical do. And it was just like, we had a very tight system. It was growing at an amazing rate just because of a nurse in a non-traditional leadership role. Yeah. Where I worked as the chief nurse executive, our COO was the former chief nurse executive and she had been promoted to the COO. And same thing. She, I mean, she knew the system in and out, like she knew what we could and couldn't do. Um, it was really a blessing having a, a COO at the helm in, in that spot. My, my husband always talks about, like he follows Simon Sinek. And so he always talks about like the CEO of an organization really not being an operations person, but being the chief visionary officer, right? I guess that's what Simon Sinek like really preaches as being a visionary officer. And who better of a person to have as the visionary officer for a facility that runs nursing 24-7 than a nurse versus an operations, you know, somebody that's non-clinical. So I, uh, I totally agree with that. I think that's um, a great point. And I think you're right. There's so many. I mean, I became a nurse executive and I 
knew that there was like this little thing called entrepreneurship. But in my mind as an entrepreneur, I had to like open a med spa or I had to have a staffing organization or like that was nursing entrepreneurship in my mind. And I didn't want to do those things. And I didn't realize until I did this nurse hack for health, what there really was out there in terms of like nurse tech companies. And, you know, I'm in the process right now of designing an app and just all of these different ways that nurses could utilize their skills outside of like what we are taught in school. I'm happy to see that the new uh, 2030, you know, report on nursing actually elaborates on that. It, It talks about like in nursing schools, we need to stop just training for inpatient. Like we need to go beyond inpatient. And so finally we're, you know, that is being out there, but, you know, it needs to go even beyond ambulatory because it references ambulatory. It really needs to go beyond all of that because there is like an entire world out there that we could utilize our nursing skills for that nobody knows about. Like, I don't know how you find out about it. I guess I have no idea, but. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you completely. There was, there is some challenges with the nursing. So I have a little bit of a soapbox here where we (laughs) really are sort of training nurses to be more specialty focused. In the sense of you want to be a NICU nurse, you want to be an ICU nurse, you want to be ER nurse. And it's great if you want to do that stuff. I am not knocking it. But then you're sort of like, what about the nurses that want to do other things? Like, for instance, for me, I never had a desire to work ICU or ER. Like, I hate codes. I hate codes with a passion. I did everything to get the patients off the floor when they looked bad. (laughs) The (laughs) anti-code. I really was just like, I don't want to deal with this. Like, where I really thrived was helping people really understand what was going on for them and walking through through hard times. So I really thrived in really helping people with their cancer diagnoses. Like you had a pancreatic cancer diagnosis. I can sit with you. I can talk with you and help sort of create like, all right, here's the baby steps to get you to the next step. I have a big passion for healthcare advocacy and addressing equity. Since to me, I don't believe two people should go to the same doctor and have entirely different outcomes because of socioeconomical factors. Nurse navigation, perfect little career for me. And I also have a big passion for quality improvement. So again, these are things that we don't really talk about that much when you're in nursing school as options. Not to be fair, like when you're in nursing school, there's a level of you, there's so much out there and you hear about it all the time, but you almost like can't really, it can get very overwhelming to sort of think, I need to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. So like sometimes with my, with newer nurses, I'm like, you know, just sort of like figure out what you're liking and start observing that that's an easier path, but you're right. Like we should be exposing to people in nursing school. Like these are different options out there. You don't have to work for an organization. You can build your own business. Like a nurse residency. Like we need to have a nurse residency that it has like clinical and non-clinical tracks, right? Like where, yes, if you want to specialize clinically, there's a residency for that. But then if you don't want to specialize clinically, like what else is there? so that you could be exposed, right? I mean, there's so many, I can imagine there's so many startups that would love taking a nursing student to just kind of show them the ropes and see if they, you know, like get them started to open up their own shop or, you know, become a part of whatever it is that um, is out there. But this might be heresy to say, but I know that there's companies hiring nurses that are new grads for instance, like there's, um, what are they called? Um, A couple insurance companies have it. I don't, they're like nurse reviewers where they're looking at the claims that are coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I know there's another term for this, and I apologize if I'm... I think nurse reviewer is what it is. I, yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that term. Well, they're like new grads going into these roles. I have friends that they didn't start in the hospital. They either did outpatient 
or they weren't working in a clinic, like they didn't, they didn't want to be in the hospital. And I mean, there are pros and cons. Like I'm, I'm glad for my med search time because I'm able to really, I feel like I have a really keen sense of being like, all right, this is what's going on. And I also was very spoiled as a new grad on the floor. Like I had, I was trained by people that were legit, had done floor nursing their whole life. Like they were in their fifties and sixties and being like, I'm going to retire from this. And I'm like, (laughs) today I'm like, I don't think I've seen a nurse, anyone like, I'm assuming like the average age of a nurse on the floor has got to be late twenties. Like I have not seen any, I have not seen any nurses really in any of the floors I've been on over the age of 40 that were not in other roles. I think it depends probably on like location. Cause I, I know like the facility I was in, we had a lot of people that were going to retire there. And so I think it just depends on like the unit, the hospital, the location, like rural versus city. Probably there's a lot of factors in there, but the fact of the matter is a lot of our boomer nurses, the experienced nurses, we know this, they're retiring out. And um, we also know that like one in three nurses is leaving the bedside. Um, and so um, where are they going? And and unfortunately, I think for our profession, a lot of them are leaving nursing. They're just, they're yeah. done. They're fed up and they're out and they don't realize they could still utilize everything that they learned in a different way. Um, that brings them joy. Totally. And, or they could look at, for instance, one of my clients, we have worked together and she was wanting to go back to school, do all this stuff. And finally we realized but she really wants us to run a business by herself and walk dogs. Like that's what she really loves doing. Yeah. So how can we make her nursing career work for that? Like career freedom, if you're, I'm not sure if you've heard, really talked about this term or aware of this term, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's the idea of having a job that allows you to live the life you want. Now, yeah, you could definitely do the, do the four hour work week. Now I'm not going to say it's going to be something you're going to achieve with just working beds, like just working like four hours a week bedside or something. But there's, if you are committed to sort of exploring and trying different things and being a little bit of a scientist, you can actually really build a nursing career around the life you want to live versus the current mindset. Like, well, I've got to work this job with these hours. This is shifting a lot because of the millennials that want more freedom to be able to travel and to really grow in different ways and try different things. The workforce is really shifting. And I don't, I think that nurses, it's very easy to fall that mindset. I have no control over this, but let's be real. I don't know about you, but when I worked on the floor, I made my life so that way I could go away for seven days yeah. <laughs> between like shifts. And I'd work like six hours. I worked six, six shifts back to back. And then I would like go away for a week. So it's about really seeing that you can actually make your nursing career work for your, yourself. It doesn't have to be about what the organization wants all the time. I love that perspective of, of building the career around your life versus building your life around your career. Cause I think that's what a lot of us do. Like you just, it's like sucks you in. You just kind of get into that mindset of like, okay, well, I got to do this and this is a priority because it puts the food on the table and then everything else comes last when, you know, you need to come first because um, you're not any good to anybody if you're half empty. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I love that. You should write a book on that. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> we're going to write about like how we're creating it because you've created this a bit for yourself, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I, you know, I, I shared with, I've shared with my listeners many times that I, I really took a step down after evaluating like where I wanted to be in the next couple of years. And 
working as a chief nurse executive, even though I loved it, I loved the people. I absolutely love the people I work with and I miss them tremendously, but that job was not going to get me to where I wanted to be. And I wanted to be um, present with my family and I wanted to work on solutions for suicide prevention um, because that's how I lost my daughter. I lost her to suicide. So that was really important to me. And it was really important to line up the work that I did every day with what really brought me joy and what really drove uh, my purpose. And so it's absolutely doable. And I hope for the listeners, it doesn't take losing a child to realize that, or it doesn't take you having to go on medication for, you know, anxiety or depression. Like it shouldn't take that. So, you know, the purpose of today's episode is really to highlight, like you can make changes today. Don't wait until it's too bad. If you're feeling that burnout now, there's absolutely things you can do because the only person that determines what you do with your time every single day is staring at you in the mirror. Like that's literally it. Nobody else, nobody else can determine what you do. You make those choices and then you have to live with, you know, the positive or the negative consequences of the choices that you make. Totally. And I agree with that so much. We're like waiting to that point. So things get so bad before you fix something. I mean, I did it. I was there. Like I basically remember that moment. I'm just like, what am I even a nurse for? Why did I get this degree? Why am I here? And you don't have to wait for your straw to break your back. Honestly, it's easier to be like, all right, there's some red flags. Like I had red flags galore on that trip. uh, Like before I went off my little edge, if you will, I was having weekly panic attacks. Panic attacks are not a normal thing to have period. Like we, this is not normal. We do not glamorize. I'm like, this is a horrible way to live your life. Basically to the point where you're in just this frantic place that you can't function once, like for a few hours once a week, like, and I have to take medication to fix it. It's a horrible way to live. Basically dreading every day, going to work, feeling like you don't matter. Like you're beating yourself up. You're only sleeping like five hours sleep. You're not, it's not normal to sleep five hours. Let's not normalize this. No. I mean, you might be able to pull off in your twenties. If you're like going out partying and then working the next day, but they're done that, but it's not a sustainable way to live your life. I had all these red flags. There was no, like looking back, I could have been like, okay, it's time to really just get another job versus being like, well, I'm going to stay where I am because I have to be here three years to prove that I'm not a job hopper. I could have easily jumped back in travel nursing and just like, I'm going to do this for a little bit longer because screw this mess. I'm done. It'd have been easy for me to get another gig, but instead I was just basically like staying in this place. And it took me three years afterwards to really recover. Like I had to dig myself out. And I mean, I did everything the hard way. I always tell my clients, I did everything the hard way. So you don't love <laughs> right. Like legit. I did the eat, pray, love trip. I spent thousands of dollars on self-care. I legit, I hugged Alma. Um, I went to Hawaii to live a volcano. Like it's legit. Like you're just, I mean, like, I always want to be like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's just. <laughs> I love it. I, lo- I love it. And I, I love it. And I hate it at the same time that it took, right. That it takes all of that. And you brought up like a lot of great red flags. I know for me, it was the not sleeping and it was the, like just being stressed out that I couldn't fit working out into my schedule. I couldn't fit like dinners with my family into my schedule. Like I was just frustrated. I remember the day that it really hit me. I, I um, drove to work and it was the first time, like I sat in my car, I was there a little early and I sat in my car and I didn't want to go in. Like, I was like, do I feel sick? Like maybe I'll get a phone call that somebody's tires flat or I didn't want to go in. And it wasn't that I didn't love the work and I didn't love people. It was that I didn't like what I was sacrificing for the amount of time that I was there. I just wasn't willing to continue sacrificing it. Like I, you know, that night I had my son's game that I was not going to make it to. I 
you know, just all these things that I was just missing out on. And I, I, I really didn't want to go in and I cried. I just sat there at my steering wheel and I cried and I was like, God, don't let any of my nurses see me crying at my steering wheel. And, you know, it was just like, wait, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? I'm not showing up great for them. If this is how I'm feeling, I'm not showing up great for my family. Like, and I'm the only one that can change that. Nobody else can change it. You know, it's funny when you're saying that I think about all the nineties movies that I watched growing up about like the parent that was sacrificing like hook. For instance, with Robin Williams, remember he didn't, he missed all this stuff for work. And the whole entire story is about him realizing like, this wasn't worth it. Yeah. (laughs) And like, honestly, it was better for him to basically do something else. And it's always interesting. People think that sacrifice is a way to get ahead and hustle is a way to get ahead. Let's tell you, like when you are like moving in towards leadership positions, you're looking at your next level. You can't approach your, you can't approach it that way. You really cannot. Yeah. There are ways to be really strategic and get ahead with companies. And most of it is more towards relationship building and networking and finding those opportunities versus, versus wasting like time hustling. Like I'm a really big proponent for nurses to stop wasting their times on job boards when they're burnt out. Like I've done it. It's like a, it's almost like alcohol. Like you're just like, I just need to feel better and see there's stuff out there for me, but you'll spend hours scrolling jobs and applying for jobs. And it's only got a 10% success rate. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a book right now and it's, um, I don't know what exactly it's going to be called yet. Cause I usually like, I've heard writing, you know, the title at the end is good, but it's something along the lines of the gold star addiction. And so the book is talking about how, like, as a society, we're like addicted to getting gold stars, like, and we will sacrifice whatever we need to, to continue getting those gold stars. And so it's been interesting as I've been researching and writing the book, um, to realize how relevant this is to nurses because we literally sacrifice everything. And you don't realize it because you start off with tiny sacrifices like, okay, I'm going to stay an extra hour or two. Maybe I'll miss dinner or, you know, for overtime or, okay, I'll pick up like one shift. And then, you know, it turn, it just begins to snowball into this like, oh my God, I've sacrificed so much that I am not comfortable anymore with the level of sacrifice. But like, what happens if I stop sacrificing? Am I going to you know, stop progressing or am I going to end up in a job that I hate, which, you know, if you're sacrificing already, it's probably, you're probably in a job that is not satisfying you in that way. So you're right. And it's really true about leaders. If you look at like, even outside of our industry executives, right? They're like divorce levels are extremely high drug use and alcohol use and substance abuse is extremely high. I mean, I, I just sit and look at like, like I looked at, you know, the organization that I was at and like, the majority of the women there were divorced, um, you know, and a lot of them were like, yeah, I chose my career over, you know, investing in my relationship. And I got to that point too. And it just, you know, it's a bad place to be. A lot with women in general, because we basically are sort of taught that we can't, there's a lot of, I'm going to be very transparent here, sexism present with women in the workforce, unfortunately, like what they can and can't have. And the big thing is you got to choose between your home life or growth. We see this a lot where women, like the fact if we want to have children can basically prevent us from growing. This is researched. I mean, we see this, like there is evidence that this exists in nursing and it's a significant problem. But when we basically have, we've created this environment, we don't have to break this environment. I have to tell you, I have a huge network of, of coaches I work with um, and I'm connected with from my school that I went through. And it's amazing how many CEOs are like, man, you know what? Because they're so in this mindset that I can only be successful in my business or be successful in my marriage. I can't have both. Usually they're bringing some of their mindset that they were taught growing up. Like you can't, money can't buy you happiness or 
money can't, you can't, you, if you're rich, you're going to be miserable. Like you can't have both. both things. And so they sabotage themselves with this because how, what are you going to do if you think money can't buy you happiness? Yeah. You're going to be like, I can't have money because it's not, I mean, that means I'm going to be sacrificing everything or rich people are evil. This is another one that really, I think, hangs a lot of people up. You know, making more money doesn't make you evil. There are a lot of people that fundraise and raise a lot of money and then they use it for a lot of good out there. And there are a lot of people that are really poor that do things that hurt other people for money. So you can't really say that being rich is going to make you evil. (laughs) Cause like, I mean, you can really look across any class and see that show up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. So much to contemplate, but the lesson of the day is stop sacrificing yourself for your job and start, start creating a job around the life that you want to live versus creating your life around the job that you have. Yes. I love this topic because I do see nurses in so many places. When I talk with them, when I work with my clients that we've been, there's a lot of stories and mindsets that we brought, that we are taught in nursing school and in our first few years of nursing, our values and giving we're measured by going above and beyond and not the fact that you basically have a brain that was able to spot your patient had a DVT and was able to get them on Lovenox and prevent them from dying. Like <laughs> this was your brain is what really is the most valuable asset, not you self-sacrificing. This is not what makes nurses valuable. Nurses are very skilled clinicians and caregivers. They can look at things in a very different lens than physicians and social workers because they spend the most time with patients. We look at the person. That is what we are trained to do. We look at them not just simply by what their medical disease is, but okay, or what sort of home situation are they going to go home to? Like what's sort of happening in them when, when we're doing our assessment? Is there something that shift? Is there like, ha- are they even an issue with their Foley? Stuff like this. We are trained to do this. This is what gives us our value and this is a skill set. And something that I like to really remind my clients, because I think we like to forget about this. If you make $80,000 a year, over 35 years working for an organization, you're, that's, $2 million, that's a $2 million investment about, like $2.3 million investment. You are worth that much money. And what if you just sort of viewed yourself being worth it now? How would you show up differently? What would you do differently? And this is like sort of really low balling, I think right now, especially since like there's areas of the country that you make way more than that. Um, yeah. I was going to say 80,000 is a pretty, in Los Angeles, I don't know any nurses making 80,000. Well, maybe there's some nurses making 80,000. I'm like yeah. thinking more like rural areas. and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's a great, it's a great thought. And it actually gave me chills. I mean, if you, I mean, like seriously, step back and think about it. You're worth millions of dollars. Um, what you, your expertise is worth millions of dollars. So remember that as you, you know, bring yourself to work every day. Yeah. Well, listen, it has been a fantastic conversation. Um, you've thrown out a lot of different gems. You've opened up my eyes and I, I'm, you know, pretend to be like the burnout queen because I've been like the test, the crash test dummy of burnout in my life. But I mean, it was just really great. I really appreciate it. If folks want to find out more about where you, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram or on Facebook. Burnout Ward will pull me up real quickly. And if you're wanting to actually see some of the resources I have for nurses, you can, and you're someone that's maybe you're ready to look for something, what's next for you, but you're like, I have no idea. There's maybe I want to be an NP. Maybe I want to do this. 
I have a quiz on my website, burnoutward.com. You can take that's where it can give you some different scenarios of seven different career domains to help you sort of see what might be your top three areas you might want to focus that in um, energy towards. So we can get you on the right path. Awesome. Mary, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for the interview. And uh, we will definitely be checking out Burnout Ward. Thank you so much, Chris. Bye. 